0: Hi there my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Welcome everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. I am Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge and I'm very, very excited to have Ari Meisel back for another episode talking about one of his other books. Um, If you're not familiar with Ari, he is the world's number one leading expert on productivity as helping entrepreneurs around the world do more of what they love and less of what they don't. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about his book called The Replaceable Founder, which is about how founders uh, like you can capitalize on emerging trends to optimize, automate, outsource and create truly sustainable businesses. So Ari, welcome back to Conversations at the Edge. It's great to have you here. And where are you calling in from today?
1: Well, thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, I'm in Princeton, New Jersey.
0: Ari, you wrote this book called uh, "The Replaceable Founder," and I'm curious, what does it actually mean to be replaceable? Are we saying that the founder should be completely removed from the business, or you know, t- talk to us about what that means in the context of your book?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, it might mean that, but no, it doesn't necessarily mean that. I don't want to make people. I don't want to replace people. I want to make people more replaceable. Uh, And there's an important distinction there. Uh, I had a professor in college who always used to say this thing that really stuck with me and for a long time, which was, he would say, never be irreplaceable, because if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted, Uh, which seems like it might not be that relevant to entrepreneurs, but it really, really is. And a lot of people who are entrepreneurial or or who are business owners, in many ways, they really just own their own job. Because if they really own a business, then that business should be able to operate beyond them and without them. But a lot of them don't. A lot of them have situations where if they're gone for a day or they get sick or they have an accident or whatever might happen, the business just halts and it's a real problem. So the idea of being replaceable and not just the founder, we want everybody in the business to be more replaceable so that they can be replaced up, not out of the business. And to do that, we have to communicate and delegate very effectively. We have to create systems and processes that replace the things that you do well and outsource the rest. And what that allows us to do is not necessarily replace ourselves to the point of removing ourselves from the business, but if we want to, we could. And oftentimes what that looks like, if a person in that situation leaves the business, they do so so that they can explore and discover and learn and then come back to the business, bringing those contributions back into it. And while they've been sort of gone, the business has continued
0: to grow and thrive. Great, so you know, in your, in your book, you talk about the most important role of a founder is not actually doing the work, but maybe initiating the work and becoming initiator in the business. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you think that that is the most important aspect of a, of a founder's role?
1: Yeah, it's it's the idea of being like the first domino is what I usually tell people, right? And so you have a domino that sort of tips with very little effort and then can initiate a giant chain reaction of all sorts of things, right? And the other way to think about it uh, is think about like you're walking up a hill right? You're walking up a hill and you have these two big exercise balls on either side of you and you're pushing them up the hill. And as you do that, one of them sort of slips away. So you have to catch that one and move it back. And the other one, And you're you're continuously pushing. And if you let go or you you drop one or whatever, they go flying back down the hill. The idea of being more like the domino is like you're at the top of the hill and there's just a line of balls there and you just sort of walk along and kick them down the hill. Uh, And that sounds like maybe that sounds like a silly image, but that really is the way it kind of should be we need to be as founders, as leaders, we need to be the initiators of a lot of ideas. We also have a role in clearing the way for, and clearing the path for the people that are working with us and for us as well. But initially, when we start off with an idea or a project or even just decision-making, we have to be able to do that in a way that is sort of like hot potato, right? Like get it, know what it, what it is, and then sort of pass it on. There's a lot of sorting that I believe is the job of the leader right? So we are connecting resources, we are solving problems, but we don't necessarily have to get in there to do it. It's sort of like deflecting and moving and, and sorting, really.
0: And I, I'm i kind of curious, I know you have like a, what, I'm assuming it's a communication tool um, called RACI or RACI, I don't know if you have to pronounce the words out, uh, short for responsible, accountable, consulted, informed. Is that you know, I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about this acronym and how you, how you use it, but is that kind of the way in which you are you know, initiating and deflecting is kind of with this communication management tool?
1: So, well, so the, the RACI model, is not mine. I mean, it's been around for quite a while, but it's, it's not, and it's not a tool in itself. It's more of just a framework of how you think through, uh, to some extent, organizational design. So RACI stands for responsible, accountable, consulted and informed, right? So in responsible, the person who is responsible for performing the task, right? Accountable would be the person who's ultimately accountable for the successful completion of the task, right? And then we get consulted. So that's someone who's consulted for their input or expertise, but they're not directly responsible for performing the task. And then informed is somebody who just needs to be informed about the progress of the task itself. So ideally, in many cases, as leaders, we want to be either informed or maybe consulted. We don't really want to be the accountable or responsible. We don't want to be the one who's doing it. We don't want to be the person who's responsible for it being done necessarily and managing that. Uh, It might be okay for us to be consulted and provide our input. But then of course, the problem there is that if you need to be consulted and you're not available for some reason, that creates a bottleneck. Informed is the best place we can possibly be, which is where we're just being aware of what's happening and the progress is being made. Now, to do that, we need to have really good systems and processes in place, and we have to be able to delegate and communicate really effectively, so that we can hand something off and then step away. Because <laughs> uh, I think it—I think it's Vern actually that says this, which is that you know, with most, just like an actual bottle, the bottleneck is at the top, right? And so. It, it, we've seen that far too many times where the leader becomes the sticking point that slows things down and creates all sorts of stress and chaos that they, they could avoid if they just stepped away.
0: You have like uh easy, maybe not easy, but a, a first step in, in kind of creating... I guess like the freedom or the confidence that you're able to step away and become like an informed leader versus a accountable or responsible one?
1: Of course. <laughs> so uh, there. 80% of the problems in every business that I have ever seen, and I have seen a lot are related to communications, both how we as individuals communicate, how we communicate with our team members and how we delegate ultimately or outsource, which is interchangeable. So the, the the shortened version of the long answer is that we have to have better communication protocols and systems and frameworks. And what that really gets into is the way that we communicate, which is the tools that we use to communicate, where we communicate about certain things. and. I always recommend that companies have multiple tools, multiple types of communication tools. And it's not, this is not a software discussion. There's all sorts of tools and software that I love and that I recommend for these things, but that's not what this is about. It's We need to have a place where we have casual conversation. We need to have another place where we have procedural conversation. We have to have some place that bridges the gap between internal and external communication. We have to have a place where we can communicate about things that are getting done, which is really a project management tool. So that's, that's one thing that really helps because what that does is it provides a lot of transparency and accountability. It removes the need to micromanage and it, in some ways, quells the anxiety that a lot of entrepreneurs will bring to an entrepreneurial team. I found that over the years, my job more and more becomes protecting the entrepreneur's team from the entrepreneur's mind. In concert with that, I have a framework called the Six Levels of Delegation. So one of the issues that a lot of people have with delegation is that they often see it as a very binary activity, meaning I have to do everything or you have to do everything. And neither of those is a, a comfortable scenario for most people. So what I actually teach is that there are six levels that you can use of delegation. Everything from just do what I say to somewhere in the middle, which would be do what you need to do within certain limits. And then level six is just get it done. You know, so I don't care what it takes, what it costs, I trust you. You have probably better expertise than I do. And my involvement at this point would only hinder the process. And that's level six. Now, any task or project that you delegate can live at any one of those levels. And there's a whole framework for how we actually lay that out. And we can tell somebody, here's the task. This is a level two task, which tells them how much freedom they have and autonomy they have or or don't have. And it makes you comfortable with the amount of sort of leeway that you're giving over to somebody. Because otherwise, what ends up happening, and everybody's experiences, I, I always love this when I used to act, like speak more in person before COVID. I'd say to people, everybody in the audience, raise your hand if you've ever outsourced something, and you know a large number of people will out will raise their hands. And then I say, now raise your hand if you've ever had a bad experience outsourcing something, and without fail, more people raise their hands than initially had raised their hands to say they outsourced something. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately or rather, I guess, fortunately, a lot of that is the fault of the delegate tour. Uh, it's all about communication and how we properly resource people and tell them what we
0: actually need and what success looks like. When it comes to the leadership team, you mentioned, you know, the one of the biggest things you're helping companies with is protecting the leadership team from the entrepreneur, the founder and the founder's ideas. Um, what type of like delegation level, are you kind of aiming for with the leadership team? Is it level six where just get it done? I fully trust you. Or is it, you know, still there are different things at each of the six levels?
1: Yeah, it, it's really not an all or nothing. And that's that's kind of the point of it. Uh, it's not, and it's also, it's not like you get to a point with somebody in a relationship and, you know, a, uh, a cadence where it's like, all right, now we're good. We're a level six or anything. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, it may but usually doesn't because unless you're dealing with a very specific outsourcing provider so you know for example if i were to hire somebody to build a sales funnel for me at this point i know stuff about sales funnels but i also know that if i get the right person that i can trust and that i have recommendations from other people that i need to just hand that over and get out of the way and that would be a level 6 entirely right no matter what they're going to do and i've had situations where people will ask me a question and my response is l6 like that's it that's all i got for you you know you figure it out uh, and that's very freeing for them, right? Because I'm telling them in that way that uh, the responsibility is on me if I don't like what you do at that point. Uh, so no, it's, it's not necessarily that we want everyone to be level six. We don't necessarily want people to be always at level one. Although there's, there's going to be times when that's the case where it's like, look, this I want this thing and this is how I want it. And this is what I want you to do. And I, I really don't want any other input than that. Just do this thing. So you know, buy this book on Amazon right? Like just, just do it. Just do exactly what I said. I don't need you to tell me in three hours that you found a better price somewhere else. I don't need you to come back to me with like another option. It's like, just do this thing. So that comes up too.
0: And when it comes to, you know, those leaders delegating to their teams, is it the same type of dynamic? Is there like a sweet spot in terms of how much, you know, level one versus level six delegation, you know, allowing the leader to really actually free themselves up from working in the business?
1: Yes. And, and the important thing also to understand with the levels is that as we get further and further towards level six, we are actually, we're dialing up the level of empowerment, which ultimately, in my opinion, that's really what outsourcing should be. You should be empowering somebody to do something that can really bring extra value to what you do. It's not just about offloading annoying tasks because a lot of those annoying tasks nowadays can be automated and we don't need human involvement at all. So we shouldn't. We should be using those people for things that are interesting and and good. Um, So the first three levels, there's very little empowerment there. The second three, the four, five, and six, we start to really get into that. Level four is basically like, you look into this, you make decisions and just let me know what you decided. Uh, but there's still some direction there. Level five is you decide within limits, which is most of the time with most of the people I work with, I'm at level five. And What I love about that is it's something that I think a lot of people don't ever consider, even though it seems really obvious once you hear it, which is, so it might be a number, like it might be a dollars, it might be time, uh, it might be space. But so in my company, the rule used to be like, if this is a decision that is a $1,000 or, or $500 or less, I, just do it. You don't have to ask anybody. Just make your decision. Go with it. Within five hundred dollars. If it's over that, then we have to talk about it, and you can let me know. Because what had happened at one point, I remember I was like away on vacation, and there was some issue that had come up with like a customer or and it was like seventy-eight dollars, and the person was really annoyed because it was like a three-day delay because they couldn't reach me and whatever, and it was like that that can't happen again. And there's no reason for this. It's like you guys didn't make a decision over seventy-eight dollars because you thought you were going to get in trouble. Like, okay. That's on me and now we'll make that very clear. So level five is often where I will operate with uh, the people that I work with.
0: Um, but Ari, I know also like time management is you know, a big component of what you help leaders and founders with. So I'm curious, like what have you found most effective in terms of like managing your time and calendar uh, as a leader of an organization?
1: So the, the silver bullet, if there ever was one, with productivity is asynchronous communication so exactly the opposite of what we're doing right now right and uh, so i the tool doesn't necessarily matter but i use a
0: tool called voxer are you familiar with it i think only because i've heard you talked about it before Uh so please share
1: so in some ways voxer is like any of the voice communication tools that everybody's using already like whatsapp and signal and telegram and iMessage and all that kind of things. Uh, It has some very unique features in terms of voice communication, specifically, it is the only tool that allows you to communicate synchronously as well as asynchronously, meaning uh, with WhatsApp, if I were to send you, Alex, a 10-minute message, I sit there, record it, it uploads, you download it, you listen, and then go on and so forth. With Voxer, if I want to send you a 10-minute message within 0.2 seconds of me beginning to speak, you can start to listen. Um, So it makes for a much, and if you're not there, then you listen to it later. And it makes for just a much more fluid, faster uh, experience. Uh, It's somewhat similar to the old like Nextel chirp, chirp phones. So I do about 99% of my communication over Voxer uh, completely asynchronously. So I offer private one-on-one high-level coaching to leaders all around the world. Like I always have exclusively over Voxer. So let me just say that again, to make that very clear, because effectively what I've done is I've created a way to scale one-on-one coaching. So I have about 25 private clients in, I think, 11 time zones right now that I speak to in some cases almost every day, but it might be for a minute or two at a time. Uh, And what that means is that I can do it. After I drop the kids off at of school, and I'm driving back home in you know seven minutes, I can listen and respond to messages while I'm walking the dog before I go to bed at night, uh, and I can move things forward so much faster than I used to when I had to meet with these people for an hour a week, once a week. Uh, it's how I do my sales. It's how I talk to my mother. In most cases, it's over Voxer, and so what that means again is that I never have to worry about scheduling things around. You know, I don't if a kid gets sick or if. Uh, I'm I'm the lieutenant at our ambulance squad here in Princeton. So if a call goes out that I need to come in for, I can do that. This interview with you right now, which is a totally valid use of synchronous communication, is the only meeting on my calendar this entire week. And let me say it one more time. I'm currently coaching one-on-one 25 people, but this is the only call that I have on my calendar this week.
0: Well, Ari, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, We're kind of over time, but are there any uh, final thoughts or um, pieces of advice you want to leave the community with today before we shut it down?
1: Just try to make some of your regular communication or the meetings that you might have this week or next week, try to switch those to an asynchronous format, see what happens. You might be really surprised at the results.
0: Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.